the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today as we continue our study in the book of 1 Samuel, Samuel continues to speak to Israel and to Saul, charging them to stay true to the Lord. We'll pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16. Once again, that's 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16. Now, he has made his argument. He's laid it out before the Lord and before the king. But he says, I've got one more piece of evidence to bring. Look at verse 16. He says, now therefore stand and see this great thing. I'm not done yet. I've got one more argument to make. Stand and see this great thing, he says, which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? Israel has two seasons. They have the cold and rainy season from October till about mid-March, and then the hot harvest season, which there is no rain during that time. So when he says, is it not wheat harvest? He's saying, is it not the dry season? There's no rain going on right now. Is that not the case? And of course, they would all know that was true. It's harvest time. It's dry season. He goes, well, I will call unto the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain, that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking you a king. And Samuel, he called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. A thunderstorm in the midst of the dry and hot season would be God's evidence in Samuel's case against the nation. You don't take my word for it? You think I'm just picking you apart? You think I'm being hypercritical? You think I'm over-exaggerating the situation? I have one more piece of evidence to bring. Lord, can you send a storm and show all these people that you agree with my argument? And behold, this thunderstorm hits Israel right then and there. I can promise you as a pastor who's been counseling the people, I have prayed that God would send a thunderstorm sometime because I know they're not listening to me. Samuel, he so desires them to see the wickedness that's in their heart so that they would repent of that, that they would change. They would realize what they've done so that even though he's not their leader anymore, he's fine with that. They'll at least move forward with the right heart and the right mindset. That's what he wants for them. That's what any good leader wants. He wants the people he's leading to do well. And so it says the people, when they saw this, they greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Their rebellion against God from day one was exposed. They finally got it. They realized what they had done to Samuel and to the Lord. And they knew 
they deserved whatever judgment God might bring before when they just said, yeah, we, you're right. We are witnesses. You haven't done anything wrong. This is on us. And the king probably should do something about that. Well, now the Lord's showing that his displeasure at their behavior as well, showing that there was great wickedness in their heart and asking for a king. And so now they're thinking we are in big trouble. And so verse 19, it says, all the people said unto Samuel, pray for your servants unto the Lord your God that we die not, for we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. That sounds like a confession to me. And that's all Samuel was looking for. But they're terrified. The phrase here, pray for your servants, actually means interpose yourself on our behalf. It doesn't just mean to pray. It means, can you put yourself between us and God? Because we're pretty sure God's going to kill us right now. And in the past, we know that God's leaders did that, like Moses did that. He would interpose himself between God and us so we wouldn't die. Could you kind of do that for us right now? Because we're pretty sure we're going to be crispy crittered any minute by this storm. They asked the same thing that, in this essence, Israel begged Moses to do. Remember when God's presence came down on Mount Sinai and he spoke, God with his own voice thundered from heaven and spoke the Ten Commandments? Can you imagine being an Israeli in the desert hearing that? You shall have no other gods before me. You look over at your wife and you go, we're dead. You haven't even gotten to two through nine or two through 10. I'm, we're dead. And then he's like, keep the Sabbath, honor your father and mother. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. By that time, you're a puddle on the ground or there's a puddle lying at your feet. And you know what the Bible tells us they did? Wonderful response to the loving Lord Jesus showing up in their midst. They ran. They ran and they hid themselves behind their tents. And when Moses came out to him and said, hey, the Lord's not here to kill you. He's here to bless you. And they said, well, you go find out how he wants to bless us. You be a mediator between us and him because we don't want to hear his voice anymore. They were terrified because they knew they'd violated everything God just told them is how they're supposed to live. They knew they were guilty. This is the same exact response that the people I have here. They see clearly now. Now they're going, oh my God goodness, what have we done? And they know what they deserve. And so they beg Samuel, you interpose yourself between us and the Lord. For we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask for a king. Guys, that's biblical confession right there. No excuses, no demands, no excuses. God, if I do this, you'll get me out of my mess, right? No, there was none of that. They just said, we have added unto all of our sins this evil to ask us a king. It was a simple acknowledgement of what they had done, what they deserved, and their need for mercy. And like I said earlier, that's exactly what Samuel was looking for. That's exactly why he brought this up. Because that's what God was looking for. Spiritual progress is only possible when I walk in the light. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, it tells us, This then is the message which we have heard from him, and we declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. That's who God is. There's no wickedness, no evil, no darkness. So if there's ever darkness in us, he's going to notice it. We can't hide it from him. Now, if we say that we have fellowship with him, that we're in this good relationship with God, but we're walking in darkness, it means conducting our life in darkness, then we're lying and we're not doing what's true. We're not practicing living the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, isn't that interesting? He doesn't say if we walk in perfectness. He doesn't say if we get everything right, if we never fail. He doesn't say that. He says if we just walk in the light, well, who is the light? He's the light. If we walk in his light which, and we allow it to shine on us, we're not covering anything up, even though there may be darkness, there may be areas where we fail. As long as we're not covering it up, he says, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The word cleanse, it actually is in the present tense, so it, it means it has the idea of continuity. You know, the blood of Christ is just continually cleansing us as we go through our lives. Aren't you happy for that? You know, I mean, every day, you know, if I blow it, I try to make sure I bring it to the Lord and go, God, that was wrong. I sinned. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm committing to you. I'm going to do this, the what you say about it instead of what I just did. That's going to be me going forward. Lord, please forgive me. Please show me mercy. Please change me. I know that there are probably times I do things that I don't remember, or maybe I didn't realize what I've done. I'm so glad that if my heart is just the one that's always saying, Lord, when when you bring it to my attention, when I'm aware of it in your word and I confess it to you, and and that's all you're looking for, that you're just continually washing me? I'm so glad I'm not saved by my ability to confess every sin I've ever committed in my life. (laughs) I'm so glad that he is so gracious and so merciful. And I'm glad that all he asks is that we just come clean before him. The Bible says he who covers his sin shall not prosper but whosoever confesses and forsakes his sin that's the one that's going to find mercy confession and repentance is what God's looking for he knows our frame that we're simply dust he knows we blow it he knows we fail praise God we have an advocate with the father Jesus the righteous and he argues on our behalf because he paid it in full but that's what the Lord's looking for A righteous man or a righteous woman doesn't make excuses for sin. They get right with God and they get back on track. And they do that every time they fall. This is what we do. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times a day. To fall seven times means you need to get up six times. You can't fall if you're already on the ground. So the idea is is that a righteous man falls seven times a day. It means when he falls, he gets back up, confesses it before the Lord, gets back on track. He might fall again, but then you get back up and you get back on track, right? So God knows our frame that we're dust, but what he's looking for is confession, humility. And since that's what it goes on here, since they respond to Samuel's argument, Samuel then gives them some encouragement. Look at verse 20. Samuel said unto the people, same thing Moses said to the people, don't fear, fear not. You have done all this wickedness, yes, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Turn you not aside, for then shall you go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. Just like Moses told the people God didn't come close to them to kill them, Samuel confirms God didn't bring this storm because he's here to kill you. He was trying to confirm my words so you do what you just did. And now you have. So don't be afraid. He says, you have done all this wickedness. Everything I've said is true, but since you've repented, you're going to find blessing. So stay here, stay in this place. Don't turn aside from following the Lord. Don't change direction from where you are now. Don't change direction from this heart of submission that you have now. 
but serve the Lord with all your heart. Wasn't that what Moses taught us in the book of Deuteronomy? Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love God supremely, right? That's what God desires from us. It's the greatest commandment, to follow him, to love him supremely, to not love myself, to not do things my way. Because if they were to do that, Samuel repeats it in verse 21 for emphasis, turn you not aside. Don't go back to loving yourself. Don't go back to doing things your way. Why? Because that will lead to disappointment. For then you should go after vain things. It means empty things, worthless things, which cannot profit nor deliver. They cannot give you blessings and they cannot rescue you. For they are empty, worthless, vain. In contrast to that, the Lord is mighty to save and he's fully capable to meet every need you have. Verse 22. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. I love this ending of this chapter because Samuel covers three areas here, three parts. He says, first off, he says, God's going to keep his end of the bargain. He's going to do his part. And you know what? I'm still committed to doing my part. So this is my closing thought with you. He says, do your part. And everything will be great. <laughs> God's already going to do his part. I know that. I'll do my part. The only thing in question is, will you do your part? So let's start with God's part here. He says, why, why not seek these empty things? For the Lord won't forsake his people. No matter how crazy your situation might get, you will never face it alone. I don't care who's invading. I don't care how precarious your situation looks. I don't care how, how great your army is and how bigger the other army is out there. I don't care what all the other kingdoms are doing around you. Here's the reality. If God is for you, you can't lose. He will never abandon you. He will never just reject you. He will not forsake his people. You say, Pastor, well, how do I know that? How do I know that for sure? Because life is scary right now. Let me give you two reasons. Two reasons that Samuel gives here. The first reason is he says, for his great name's sake. That means he's going to do it because him not forsaking you shows his good character to others. Now, that's very interesting Because by nature of what he says here, it means that it is possible for God to put you, to put us as Christians in a difficult situation just so he can show someone else how awesome he is. That's truth. It's not exactly exciting truth, but it is truth. It's biblical truth. Like we don't usually stand up, you know, every day and claim that promise. God, you promised you're going to put me in difficult situations to show someone else how awesome you are. Golly gee, going to be a great day. But it's true. The Bible does teach that. Very often, our troubles have nothing to do with any sin on our part or even to teach us anything. Frequently, people will come to me and they say, I don't know, I've examined, I've looked for secret sin in my life and I, God's not convicting me of anything. And, and I, or they'll say, oh, I don't understand what God's trying to teach me through this. And I'll say, well, maybe he's not. And I usually get a funny look like, well, then why is he letting it happen? Maybe it's not to teach you something. Maybe it's to show someone else something. Do you know that's the whole theme of the book of Job? It's the whole theme of the book of Job. Everybody keeps coming to Job and saying, Job, it's, this is your fault. You got some secret sin in your life. He's like, I've, I've asked the Lord. I got nothing going on. <clears throat> Job, God's trying to teach you humility. God's trying to teach you this. He's like, I am humble. I'm, I'm crying out to the Lord for help. I'm totally dependent upon him. And then, of course, when God finally steps on the scene, what does he say? None of y'all know why I'm doing this. <laughs> 
And who are the people that benefit from it? You and me. We're the ones who benefit from it, from his story. In fact, in the end, Job never finds out why he went through all this mess. We're the benefactors of it. So sometimes you might look at your life and go, God, why are you doing this? Why am I going through this? Lord, I'm loving you. I'm following you. I'm walking with you. Why am I here? What are you trying to teach me? And the truth is, it may be none of those things. It may be just for someone else to know him better through watching him work in your life. So here's the million-dollar question. Are you willing to let God do that through you? That's the first reason I can tell you that you can know for sure he won't forsake you because he will show his good character. He will protect his name. But the second reason Samuel gives here is he says, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. The word there for pleased, it means to be in a state of feeling pleasure or enjoyment. Now that's interesting because they're not really prior to this in a good place with the Lord, right? And yet he still says, you're his joy. He has pleasure when he looks at you. I don't know about you, but when I'm doing stuff like this, when I'm my heart's not submitted to the Lord, I feel shame. Like I, I think, Lord, don't look right now. But when he looks at you, when you're his kid, you're his child, he looks at you, all he does is smile. Even if he doesn't like what you're doing, because you're his kid. And one of the things I try to do with my children is I want them always to know they are my joy, even if I'm not pleased with what they're doing. And I will frequently tell my kids when I'm disciplining them, and I will say, you are my son. You are my daughter. And nothing you can do will ever change that. I love you. I am glad you are part of our family. And never will that change. But I want to talk to you about your behavior. This is the Lord, his heart towards us. It's not that he just smiles and goes, oh, you're just blessed. He looks at our behavior and he goes, we want, I want to talk to you about this. We need to have a discussion. But his heart is always toward us. His heart is always towards us. We are his joy. Even when we might be doing some things that turn his stomach. God is happy that you're his. He loves you. And he delights in taking care of you despite all of your weaknesses and all of your shortcomings. Do you believe that? You know, the Bible tells us the reason we experience that shame and that torture is because we don't fully understand God's love for us yet. So 1 John chapter 4 tells us we've not been made perfect in love yet. So he tells me, he says, guys, whatever comes your way, if it's a crazy situation, know this. God is going to cause his character to shine. So he's not going to abandon you for that reason. But number two, he loves you. He delights in you. You're his kid. He is not going to dump you on the side of the road. So God will do his part. Now Samuel, he may be stepping away from being their their leader, but he's not going to abandon them either. He will do his part still too. Look at verse 23. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. I love what he says, God forbid, which means far be it from me. Never think this will happen. Because they said, oh, pray for us, intercede for us. You know, Samuel, we, we know we kicked you out, but we need you still. And he goes, I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. And he says, and I will not sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. 
There is a sin of prayerlessness. There is a sin of prayerlessness, especially for those who lead. You know, if you're a parent, don't sin by not praying for your kids. If you're not praying for them, who is? If you're an employer, don't sin by not praying for your employees. If you're not praying for them, who is? If you're a spiritual or a civic leader, don't sin by not praying for those who are in your care. It's one of the most powerful tools leaders have in their toolbox. Most of the time, I'm trying to learn to be otherwise with this, but when you know, I come to a challenge you know, as a parent or whatever it might be as a pastor, usually the last resort is go, I guess I should pray. <laughs> trying to make it my first resort now. Because it is one of the strongest, most powerful tools you have in your toolbox as a leader. Pray. I love here that Samuel shows no resentment for how they've treated him, how they rejected him. That's because a good leader doesn't lash out at those he serves when they fail him. A good leader loves them to the very end, just like Jesus did. So love those you lead, even when they hurt you. That's what leaders do. That's what they should do. Samuel says, I won't just pray for you, but I will also teach you the good and the right way. Saul may be your leader in civic matters, but I'm still going to teach you God's word. And he'll be faithful to do that. But God doing his part and Samuel doing his part will only do the nation good if they do their part, if they have a heart that submits to the Lord. Look at verses 24 and 25. Only, which means how be it. I'll do my part still, but you got to do yours. How be it? Fear the Lord and serve him in truth. It means with sincerity, with loyal hearts. Serve him in truth with all your heart, with a loyal heart. For consider how great things he has done for you. He says, guys, love what God loves. Hate what he hates. Serve him with a loyal heart. Worship him only. Stop going after idols. And if you ever struggle with whether God's way is best, consider, remind yourself of all that God has done for you all throughout our country's history. That's what he says. Remind yourself of all that God has done for you all throughout Israel's history. One of the best things you and I can do when we're struggling with obedience is just to go back and read our Bible and see how faithful God was. It's one of the best things. You know, there are times, man, I've got, I'm just, I'm stressed and I am worried about something and I'm like, God, if I do this your way, it is going to blow up. It is not going to work. And the moment I just start opening the word and just seeing how faithful he is, all that just deflates. It's like, man, what is, what is wrong with me? Look at how good you always are. I mean, I could just keep turning the pages and always see how good you are, how you're always faithful. And then if I just turn the pages of my own life and see all throughout my history of how God's just always been faithful to me. You know, I remember one time I was whining to the Lord about something and I just sensed the Lord saying to me, Will, you're still here, ain't you? And I thought, huh, I am, aren't I? You probably have every other crisis that I've come to you like this. And here I am still. I'm still breathing. I'm still living. And sometimes it's good just to take a step back and to say, Lord, you've brought me all this way. Why would this problem or this crisis be any different? It's good to go back to the word. It's good to see how faithful God's been. Because we love him, why? Because he first loved us. When we immerse ourselves in God's love for us, 
It's how we find the power to obey him. But verse 25, (laughs) if you don't do that, if you so still do wickedly, if you keep doing what's right in your own eyes, then you shall be consumed, destroyed, swept away. Both you, and here it is, and your king, he will not rescue you from me. Not even your king will save you from a heart of rebellion. So, let's have hearts of submission, guys. Amen? Let's experience all the blessings that God has for us. Oh, Lord, I read accounts like this, and I just think to myself, man, I'm so much like Israel. I see the invasion. I see the crises. (laughs) I start leaning on my own understanding. Lord, thank you for being always faithful. Thank you for being pleased to call us your kids. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming us from you know, not being your kids, from being alienated from you, from being estranged from you, separated from you. Thank you for bringing us into the body of Christ, that, Lord, it's not just our story, but it's all the stories here. We're all still here. And, Lord, until the day you call us home, you'll preserve us. You always have and you always will. So with that confession in mind, we say, we submit to you, Lord. You're our king. We want to follow your lead. Trust you with all our heart and never lean on our own understanding. Make our path straight as we do so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at 407-523-0800 during our office hours, Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.